to another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the site manager at Second City Hockey. You can find me on Twitter while it's still there at TMelt57. Apologies for missing last week's episode. Uh, 75% of our staff contracted various versions of the plague all at the same time. Um, I'm happy to report that all three are healthy. Unfortunately, one of them was not able to join us this evening, but I have my other two line mates here with me this evening to talk about all of the things we've missed in the last two weeks of Blackhawks hockey. Up first, the analyst darling of Second City Hockey you can find on Twitter at Jehosa's Witness. It's Shepard Price. I'm not built for the cold anymore living in Texas, and that's just that's something I have to learn to deal with because uh, I'm here in Chicago again, and it's 30s or 40s. Well, uh, I, I, the one way to do that, Shay, is to explore some of that Texas barbecue that you have down there and just eat more of it, and then you'll be built for the winter very quickly. Oh, uh, well, I'm already gaining weight down there. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that that's going to happen. Um, well, I, what's... I, I guess it does still get pretty chilly down in San Antonio. I mean, I know I, like last year, it, it was like fifties, but okay. Yeah. yeah. It was like fifties, sixties when that I left and it's forties, thirties here. Yeah. That's nothing. Uh, by the way, how was your uh, one week as a Detroit lions fan uh, when they won and, and beat the bears? Uh, there are three, they've won three in a row. Thank oh, you so much. Really? Did, did yeah. I admit I, for the what, first time since in like, like eight years. Uh, it's good to, it's good to have faith in a coach again Okay. Uh, and believe in Dan Campbell, hey, DC, baby. Hey, that's cool. Just keep winning. The bears are going to pick number four in the next NFL draft. So I'm fine. That's go ahead. That's we, have, we have, we have the Rams pick. I'm not worried. <laughs> Every team I watch for, I'm more concerned about their draft status than their actual status. And it sucks. And also Justin Fields might be getting killed uh, every week too. So that, that sucks. Uh, but Unfortunately, the person we do not have this week is Mill, so I don't have a uh, obscure band reference to make here. But we also have with us this evening, uh, she's not on Twitter, but you can find her at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR, where she is the Second City Hockey Bull and Wall of Text. It's Betsy. I just don't go outside when it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> so were I mean, you not were you not outside at all this past weekend? Because I was down in the area where you were, and it, it was not warm. No, I did not go outside as much as I could. Um, I went to the mall on Monday, but like literally it's like from the car to the the door and you're good to go. I didn't even put on a jacket because I know the mall is going to be stupidly hot inside and nobody else is wearing jackets either. You're just like run from your car and hope you don't freeze. Yeah, that's <laughs> first doing it. That that first like Friday night, it was like down in the teens around these parts. And it, that first really frigid winter night. Like for us, it's down in the teens for where you uh, two are. It's probably in the more of the 40s and 50s. But just that first winter chill uh, kind of punches you right in the teeth and doesn't let go. It's not pleasant. Yeah, and I hate wearing hats. So my friends make fun of me because I just I don't like to mess my hair up. I used to have bangs and I was like, no, my bangs are way more important than being warm. 
Um, and I, I just still don't, I don't want to do it. Um, so, uh, I don't even like no outerwear if I can help it, just hope for the best and run. Otherwise, yeah, stay inside. So, uh, you, your next venture outside will be what March, April. Oh, it's gonna be, like- <laughs> I mean, yeah, probably, but then pollen happens and I don't go out during that time either. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, so. it's summer and fall for me. This is the <laughs> okay. All right. Outside. Well, enjoy enjoy your next six months as a shut in, I guess. Yes. Uh, and well, and unfortunately, there's not a good hockey team for you. To, well, there are good hockey teams for you to watch, just not this one. Uh, we haven't talked in two weeks, and uh, all those weird, fluky things that were happening for the Hawks in the first few weeks of the season, uh, they're not happening anymore. And consequently, this team has lost. Uh, excuse me. They've only won two of their last what? 12 games? Yeah, two of their last 12. they've lost four in a row now. They, yeah, they've lost four yeah. in a row. They were four and two on after beating the Panthers on October 25th, and since then they are two, seven, and three. And uh, again, for all the people, uh, I'm going to point directly at Shea here, for all the people who are worried that maybe the Hawks are ruining their draft status because they were like in third place in the Central Division after that win over the Panthers, uh, now they're, I think, 26th overall in the NHL pending whatever happened last night. So uh, the 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 plan uh, in caps with the trademark logo after it, the plan is back on track. It seems as the Hawks are uh, headed their way towards the bottom of the NHL standings. Uh, before we get into any talk about this team though, uh, obviously a very special thing happened Sunday night with the Marion Hosa retirement ceremony. And Shay came all the way back to the Chicagoland area to be at the United center and watch all this. And I just want to start there with our Marion Hosa night correspondent uh, to let us know what the whole experience was like. Yeah, it was great because <clears throat> uh, I, I I think at this point Marion Hossa is my favorite player of all time. Um, and good pick. so it's his, a very good pick. Seeing him was great. Seeing like seeing Seabrook and Keith again was great. Apparently Crawford and Oduya were also there. They just didn't put them on the ice for some yeah. reason. Yeah, I guess like, they. Every, there was a bunch of other people there too. Bickle was there. Lads was there. Was there uh, and Burrish. Yeah, I think yep. they didn't. They limit the on ice people. It was. It was. It was the all. Three, it was. The, it was. It was the, the six who won the three cups. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Still. <laughs> it was a little. It was a little weird. Like I, I guess, like I understand the point of it, and you can't have like ever. If you can, if you have Burge and Eager on the ice, you're gonna have to have every player that's ever won a cup down there who was available. Right. So I, I guess you have to cut it off somewhere, but whatever. I just anyway. like Corey Crawford and Johnny Oduya were crucial to 2013 and 2015, which are the cups we should be remembering. Yeah, um, that's there. There is that too. So, uh, but yeah, like we're saying everybody was great. Um, his speech was good. Uh, his case, like everybody remembers, like his, I think his second daughter for honking his nose. And they showed that clip mm-hmm. during the uh, clip reel. They're both like not grown, but they're older. They're, they're clearly they're older. not toddlers anymore. <laughs> no, they're not toddlers anymore. Yeah, they're, they're and I think I, I didn't even think about that because I missed I, I wasn't able to see as much of the ceremony initially. And I hadn't even thought about that uh, since it happened. But now I don't want to know how much older that child is than no. she was in that moment. And also he has a two month old, which is wild because seeing the contrasting ages Um. And also, he's that he's got a young family for what is he forty five? Uh, I think it's like forty two, forty three, something like that. Yeah, 
Um, but that's interesting. It's it, it's wild to see. And then also, I forgot that he only played nine years with us because uh, it was Which twenty two thousand nine to twenty eighteen. Um, yeah. yeah, nine seasons. He played and, and most games with the Hawks by the end, at least. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He would have gone if 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 like baseball, there was a like you go into the te- into the hall as a representative of a team. He'd probably be a Black Hawk. Yeah, he'd be he'd um, be wearing the Hawks hat if they had hats on yep. him at the end. Yeah, and because that's or, or sweater. I mean, and he was a borderline Hall of Famer before he even got to Chicago. Yeah, he was thirty years he old. Yeah, the way it was like Shara going to Boston. Some of the numbers he put up Atlanta when he was playing with Kovalchuk were absurd. Yeah, only Again, thing he was worth going to the Thrashers for. <laughs> I think arguably, if he had played his entire season and had like the same stats, uh, and played all of his career with the Blackhawks, I think he might be the best Blackhawk of all time. It, uh, yeah, it, there. If, if yeah, for if there was all twenty years, yeah, I I think there could be a more a more interesting discussion because he played in every, he did everything so well. Like I swear you probably could have put him in that and he wouldn't have been good. Uh, Betsy, I imagine you were watching. Did you have any other thoughts to add while you were uh, watching the festivities on Sunday night? Well, Jose is one of my favorite players. I don't know if he's my favorite, favorite player, but he's definitely really far up there. He's the only Thrasher jersey I've ever had Um, because their jerseys are great, but their team obviously terrible forever. Um, <laughs> and I just never really got into Kovalchuk. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was really cool to watch. It's a really, like, that's the first, I guess, banner raising, like, or, or jersey retirement that I've ever seen, like, that I can, rem- like, remember. I don't know if any happened when I was um. a child. The Denny Savard, I think. Savard, I th- uh, yeah, Savard, and uh, they would have happened so long ago that even yeah, I don't being the old man on this podcast can't even remember uh, how and wh- when they happened. Yeah, and it just it rem- it's, I think that they're the whole point of them having like the the this like the ones that all got the three cops. I th- I think they're all eventually going to be retired, but I. F- don't some of their aren't some of their numbers still active like currently like uh number four is yeah i was gonna say i think it was john Rosen's. i think that's the only one but like i yeah so i and seth jones is gonna be here for another eight years yeah so that, me, me, that's a very me. interesting point like i i don't know when they're gonna be able to retire his jersey if a guy's still wearing maybe maybe that foreshadows the seth jones trade that we all want to have happen that was well, like after after the host again that was what me and my dad were talking about was like does Seth Jones pull a Ray Bork and just pull off four and there's like twenty four under there, so that it can <laughs> yeah, be retired or something. Any, I just it's so crazy to me because like where do they? If you do Hosa, I understand that Hosa's like obviously I I agree with Shay. I think he would arguably be the best Blackhawk if he had played his entire career here and put up similar numbers there. And he's arguably also the best free agent signing in the history of the NHL. Uh, I think he's well. You could uh, the argument is always in the Chicago, best yeah. in, in the city of Chicago. Yeah. Uh, and I, sorry, Cubs fans, it's Marion Hosa. It's not John Lester. But yeah, and <laughs> and Hosa was such like he was like the like finishing touch mm-hmm. on those teams. And we've we've already had the whole like debate about like he was on two really good teams before that, but it just didn't click the way it did in Chicago, and that's why it, great hockey players, even no matter how good they are, it can't be a solo game. Um, mm-hmm. but 
where do you, obviously Hosa's ceremony happened after he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. Like that's when they announced it. How do you do that when probably only three others are going to go into the Hall of Fame eventually? He's oh, okay, here's here's the thing. If Kevin Lowe is a uh, is Hall of Famer, tell me the argument against Brent Seabrook. I'm not saying he shouldn't be there. I'm saying that there are going like it's going to be a while before he is even in the argument for it, just because he was so overshadowed by Keith, and he's not as good. He wasn't as good as Keith, and you know that's what always happens if they're not like. If it's not a Taves and Kane situation where they're both the face all the time, and Seabrook wasn't technically like a lettered player that whole time, even not the like whole time, he yeah. he yeah. wasn't a lettered player until after the cups. So, even though everybody knows he was, he was the leader, he yeah. was a leader, right? Well, he was, and I, and I was. I was actually like, I remember I was able to hear like the reception Seabrook got. And I was actually, that was one player that I was thrilled to hear that reception because near the end of his career with the contract and, and the way his play declined, like there was so much negativity around him. People forgot how fucking good of a hockey player he was. It felt like. And so I, I feel like now as time is moving on, there's some more, uh, there's more appreciation coming back for Brent Seabrook. And I'm glad to see that because the, the negativity that was being thrown his way near the end of his career was just, it was over the top and it was very oh, uh, yeah. just unbecoming. I hated, I hated it so much. And and now Seabrook is like peak Seabrook is arguably better than any defense in the Blackhawks currently. Uh, well, that, I mean, well, that's low, low I don't even players. think that's arguable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I, I just think it was, it was a really fun nostalgia trip for a night. I was uh, hit or miss watching and following along on Twitter and TV and everything. And it was, it was just a, a nice night to like flashback to when everything about the team was good and fun and all that. And um, uh, we're going to have a lot more nostalgia trips coming up down the road because uh, as you both mentioned, like there's a lot more numbers that are going up into the rafters. I imagine like uh, I, I forget which one of you said it, but like all, all those players that are on the ice that won all three cups, it seems like all of their jerseys are going up at some point. And yeah. Then, and it, and Hosa certainly mentioned, made it feel like he agreed with that sentiment. Oh during yeah. The speech. yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and it's, it's, it'll be, I, then I hadn't even thought about the Jalmerson uh, connection with Seth Jones wearing his number still. So, uh, but obviously it's going to be a while before Taze and Kane get their numbers retired because they're still active players. So uh, we'll see how that all uh, unfolds over the next few years. Uh, but to bring it back to the present day, um, not again, as we talked about at the top, not too much to talk about with the current Blackhawks because they're not good. They're not supposed to be good. It's part of the plan. Um, the only thing that, we were trying to draw some conclusions from the season is maybe some impressions of the coach and some impressions of some of the younger guys who are actually going to be playing this year. One such young player was Ian Mitchell, who finally came back from the wrist injury he sustained just before training camp. Uh, he was out about six weeks, went to Rockford, had a four point game. I think last Wednesday morning uh, got called up the next day. The Hawks, he's played the last two games, skated around, I think 15 minutes in each one. Uh, has, hasn't looked great. No one on the team really has. Uh, it's just, it led to an interesting discussion that, uh, Shay and I were having in our Slack channel related to the idea of playing the kids or not playing the kids. And I, I think Shay, I just want to get your, the point that you made and we'll start there and then take it from that point of the conversation. So go right ahead with your thoughts on that. Yeah. Being at live at the game, it certainly felt like, uh, 
he he hit like the ice like for two or three times over the course of the sixty minutes. While I grew very very tired of seeing Jared Snorty. Um, well, and I got uh, real bad news for you on that front. <laughs> and the the Blackhawks sort of went with a five forward uh, power play unit. And while that's good and dandy, they no, the no, Penguins generated. <laughs> yes, it is. That, <laughs> that, I feel like that generates more pressure. Um, but that's a conversation for later. Okay. Um, or that's a or that's a deep dive between me and Betsy. Uh, the uh, what are they supposed to do? with defenseman because Seth Jones is out. The answer is, is the actual answer. Ian Mitchell, just put Ian Mitchell on the power play. And the answer might be, maybe because he's certainly probably better for the power play than Tenorti or any well, other defenseman they have. Cal- Caleb Jones is the one that's been eating up all the power ah. play time that Seth Jones didn't have. And I've Should had enough be? of, well, no, exactly. Like, I feel like we've had enough of the Caleb Jones experiment on the power play. Uh, he, that was supposed to be one area where he, might be better at it hasn't worked out uh i would ian mitchell scored two power play goals wednesday morning i know it's in the ahl but that is two more goals than any blackhawks defenseman has scored in 18 months connor murphy was the last one to score one in may of 2021 it's ridiculous how long it's been so you have a guy who was playing very well in rockford running the point on the power play scored two goals I, I just don't understand why you didn't bring him up and immediately slap him on power play one. See what he's got. It's not like you're losing anything if he sucks. The season doesn't matter. Right. It's all about experimenting, especially experimenting with the kids. And I don't see a lot of that going on. Uh, before I have a reaction to what you said there, but I want to bring Betsy in to get her thoughts first. Um, my whole thing, like, I don't mind if Richardson is like easing Mitchell into games because he's young and it's brand new and he just, he's coming back from an injury and I'm totally fine with that. Um, I think he did the same thing with McCabe actually. Uh, He eased him. Mm -hmm. He started him, you know, low for him, which was like 17 minutes. And then he slowly ticked up. Right. I have no problem with that, but the power play is easy time. So that's a perfect time. Like that's perfect situation to play him. Um, especially since, as we all know, there, like, like you said, there, nobody else can even shoot the puck very well. Um, Caleb Jones is the only other one that's really decent at it. And he hasn't been decent at it for a hot minute now. So I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I would like, I have nothing riding on Ian Mitchell. I just don't think he's gotten really a, a very fair shake. No. And this is a perfect opportunity to like give him runway. And I, my biggest pet peeve right now, and I hate to do this because I actually don't dislike Caleb Jones that much. Um, I know people maybe think I do, but that's just because I point out when he's objectively bad. <laughs> Which um, has been very easy to do of late. <laughs> yeah, and I, I like I sat there and pointed out when he was – he had like a six-game or a five-game stretch where he was pretty good. I don't think he was great, but he was good in his third-pairing role. I was excited for him. I was like, keep doing that, please. Um, but I don't understand why this 25-year-old defenseman who's played over like a certain number of games – I know it's not like a, like a whole, whole lot, but why does he get so much rope – and yet, like Roos, who's you know he's had a couple, he gets a couple of rough games, and they yank him. And then now Ian Mitchell, he's not getting a lot of playing time. And I'm like, why does like I've never really understood the the favoritism when it comes to players. And I understand there's probably stuff happening in practice and all that kind of stuff, but 
it's impossible to look at how Caleb Jones has played and said, yeah, he should get more minutes or <laughs> even, even go further. How Tenorti has been playing or Jack Johnson and Jack Johnson started the season really well, but he's been a dumpster fire. For no, a while. He keeps trying to shoot the puck. He's an, I kept yelling at him during the host of games. He shot the puck like five times. Yeah. yeah please he's stop an offensive defenseman. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, I would, I, I, my whole point thing is we don't know what Ian Mitchell has. I would like to see what he has. Please play him a little bit more and stop playing these, these other people. <laughs> yeah. Well, like last, last season, I think it was more frustrating. Mitchell, uh, he played eight games in the prior hockey season. And in five of those games, he did not, he skated less than 10 minutes, which yeah. is absurdly low, especially for a young defenseman you were allegedly trying to develop. Uh, the two games he's played this season, he's had 16-25 and 13-26. So he's getting a lot more ice time than he had last season. I hope, like, it seems like he should be, like, at a minimum of the 15-minute mark. Like, that's uh, that should not be a, a big ask because th- this is kind of the the question, the, the point of contention that I was getting to is um, whether or not Luke Richardson – like obviously the Blackhawks have this overall plan of rebuild long-term, whatever the hell you want to call it. They're not concerned about the future. Um, but Luke Richardson's job, I guess, is to win games and develop at the same time. So I'm just trying to figure out where his responsibility is in terms of like, is he required, like, should he be required to play Ian Mitchell for 20 minutes in every single game to hell with you know, everybody else on the roster? Or is that something that like, uh, the general manager, Kyle David should let Richardson make that choice for himself based on how the game is unfolding. Because it feels like if, you know, the GM is coming down to Luke Richardson and saying, you got to play this guy, you got to play this guy 20 minutes a night. That feels like a little bit of a, an overreaching his job as the GM to me. Oh, I, okay. I, I, agree. I go ahead. Shay, go first. And that's yeah, Shay, you go. retort. I, I, to, to answer if he keeps playing old guys who don't earn the minutes like Joe, like Caleb Jones, like Jared Tenorti, like Jack Johnson, then yes, Kyle Davidson needs to step in and say, okay, enough of that. You need to start playing the kids. You can't keep going back. That's not your job. That's not your job is not to make sure that Jack Johnson looks good at 36. That's not your job. Mm -hmm. That's not what we're trying to do here. Jack Johnson is not a long-term part of this team. At this point, if Jack Johnson never played another minute with the Chicago Blackhawks, I'm perfectly fine. Same thing with Jared Tenorti, same thing with Caleb Jones. Again, uh, if Ian Mitchell never played, if Ian Mitchell never played another minute with the Chicago Blackhawks, that is a problem. If Philip Ruse never played another minute with the Chicago Blackhawks, that is a problem. Um, and so, yeah, at this point, like, I think he's done, uh, Richardson's done a better job with forwards, but he, at some point, Davidson does need to say, okay, enough of that. You need to play them at least 15 minutes, if not See, 20. I feel like that would have been part of the conversation before he was even hired. I assume that had to come up during the interview process. So, because I, I, I don't like the idea of the GM at any point in the regular season telling the coach, you have to do this. Because that is how you get friction between your GM and your coach, which is what happened with the prior regime. Uh, not talking about Collins, I'm talking about Bowman and Quenville. Um, I, I think like there were there were times where uh, seemed like Quinville felt that Bowman was overstepping his job, and Quinville's like, "I'm the coach. Let me set the lineup. Let me do this." And Bowman was trying to force his hand a little bit, and that was why that uh, arrangement didn't work out 
um, not for not to uh, even get into the other things where they completely fucked up. But uh, so I don't I don't know if I'm comfortable with that idea. But Betsy, go ahead. I wanted to get your thoughts on this. I'm sorry, I was mid chewing pocky. <laughs> Did you say chewing pocky. coffee? No, pocky. Oh, okay. I just was I was really confused you know, what like, coffee you had to chew. I'm sorry, but please, please little continue sticks now. dipped in stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, sorry, I went to. Okay, I went to a, a Japanese place in Athens. So anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, my I agree that I don't think the GM should necessarily step in and say stuff. Um, I think it should have. It needs to be a conversation of like hey, our priorities are this, and I know we still need to win games, but we also need to balance to this. I don't mind that. But I, I agree with Shay that it has to be merit-based. And the old guys aren't earning their time. They've just been yeah. given it. I th- that's I think my that, problem with the situation. No, I, I and I think that's the, the counter-argument for sure, is like the, the whole idea of young players having to, quote, earn their ice time. But I, I don't understand why veterans don't have to earn the ice time too, because that's – like if you're just going to play a guy because he's a veteran, that's, that doesn't, that's not a good thing. Like that's the, I don't think that's how you create a winning culture. I mean, like anybody, the best player should play period. I don't care how old they are. Yeah. And for fuck's sake, Tenorti <laughs> has played very little for a fucking reason. He's a journeyman. Like there's a reason he's yeah. what, like four or five teams already. Yeah, Riley Stillman had played more games than him oh, at that point. I think Caleb Jones has played more games than him. I don't. I think Ian Mitchell is not that far off for the number of games that he's played. Yeah, Tenorti's so just, been he's been like in the NHL for eight seasons, and he played 127 games, and he's now on his sixth different team. Like, there's the Hawks didn't discover something now that he's 30 years old. No, exactly, and I, I don't even like. It's just, it's so frustrating to watch that because I have no idea. Again, we, and we, none of us do. We have no idea if you gave Roos or Ian Mitchell 20 minutes a night, what they could do. We have no, we don't know. It's never <laughs> been done. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially not at this age. But fuck it. Roos was a top pairing defenseman in the SHL. Okay. Like that's one of the best leagues in the world. And you're telling me that. He shouldn't get more ice time, Ian, especially with go ahead. especially with this team's European scouting. Yeah, and then you have, and I'm not, and then you have Ian Mitchell who has paid his dues in the AHL and was by far the best defenseman last year for them. And mm-hmm. I have no idea. Again, we just don't know if they only operate in those two leagues. Like there's there's a possibility that none of those skills translate to the NHL. But you know how you're not going to find out playing them less than 15 minutes a night so that you can like put these pylons on the ice who, you know, who they are, you know, what Jack Johnson brings, you know, what Tenorti brings. It's not a lot. So maybe like look elsewhere. That's why I don't mind Caleb Jones that much. I like he struggles, but at least he's semi young. He shows flashes. He shows better Mm -hmm. flashes than, than Tenorti has his ever. And not since Jack Johnson was in his prime. Um, so I don't I don't mind Caleb Jones playing. I just don't I don't understand why the old guys are playing when it should be merit based or why Caleb Jones gets quite as much rope when there are other kids. Even Regula, like and I think he had a rough go at it and I prior to the season starting had said I don't think he's NHL ready. I think he's the closest, like one of the closest that was in the AHL last year. But um 
at least he got a little bit more playing time. I don't, I think it's really difficult for any of these kids to take games off and on. Um, I can't remember what defenseman said that there was, he was, uh, was it Dumoulin or Dumoulin? How do you say it? The Penguins kid. Brian Dumoulin? Yeah. I think he was one of the ones, he he said something in an interview with his like second season where he was saying that it was really difficult for him to find his flow. And then it was only when he finally, he finally did that, that it actually, like he got played like consecutively that it actually mm-hmm. worked out for him. So I think it was him, but either yeah. way, that whole mentality, that's the way that I think about it. They, there has to be some consistent level and none of these kids are getting it. Yeah, like I like someone like Ian Mitchell who like he played all of last season in Rockford getting well. I don't think they still don't have ice time available in the AHL, but I imagine no, he was, he was well over twenty minutes, minutes in that. Yeah. So it is hard it is hard to make the transition to the NHL if you're only gonna get twelve, thirteen minutes a night. Um it's just it is that is a um it feels like that is a very much an NHL thing where the coaches seem to play veterans more than the kid than younger players, even in developing seasons. I mean, this came up a lot under Quinville. Um, I, I know there was this not necessarily true narrative that Quinville hated the young kids. Like there were plenty of young kids he played, you know, Shaw, Saad being two of them. But um, I, I think if you looked around the league, there's other examples where situations like this are playing where veteran guys just seem to get the ice time first for reasons that befuddle the fan base. And I think we're having another one of those situations here. And I, I don't know. Again, only what like not even 20 games into the season with uh, Luke Richardson's first season as the head coach. I'm not drawing any big conclusions out of this. It's just it's a it's it's just an interesting thing to watch as the season develops. Like um, it, it feels like at some point you just need to like you, you both are saying, just just let Ian Mitchell get like a couple of weeks with 20 minutes a night just to see what happens. Like I the to your point about uh, Caleb Jones, Betsy, like um, he's played over 20 minutes in one, two, three, four, five games of, of the 15 he's played this season. He's been over 20 minutes. Like I don't understand what Caleb Jones has proven to get that much ice time uh, because like Ian Mitchell hasn't disproven anything because he hasn't even had a chance yet. Um, he's only been here for two games though. So I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Uh, maybe we t- come back in a week or two and <clears throat> Ian Mitchell's getting 20 minutes a night. Um, I'll believe it when I see it. I will say Go ahead. In Caleb's defense, I was saying how there were like four or five games, like five is six games where he was playing pretty well. Mm-hmm. I think those are all the games where he was playing. Like the first game that he played decently, I think was the Florida game. And I think that was his, uh, not Florida, uh, Edmonton. And I think that's his highest or second highest total. Yeah, he had 21-23 that night, which is his highest yeah. of the season. So, But then his second highest of the season was the Carolina game, which he was trashing. So... <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. there was there was a span there where he he played really well and he was getting 19 to 20 minutes and I was like that's fine. Well for his role. <laughs> yeah, it's just it like I I think honestly with because of who he is, it gets to the point with Caleb it's like if you had a different last name and you weren't Seth's brother would you be getting this much ice time? Nope. It, like it, that that's cuz that's the only thing I can think of. It just it doesn't doesn't compute for me. Yeah, because we just we we're not privy to what they do in practice. Like that's what anytime you ever bring up um, negatives about why some player gets more ice time, there's always somebody that's like, "Well, something really important could be happening in practice." And I was like, at some well, point, well, they have to prove it in the game, though. Like, 
and you don't like, win in practices. And how much do they really practice at the NHL level? Like, I mean, even on their off days, like today, I think their practice was maybe an hour long. Yeah. And, you know, it's not like they are, it's not like they're dogging it for an entire, you know, for, for an hour of their two or three hour practices. Like, And they're not even practicing game situations most of the time. Like, other than like power play and stuff like that and penalty kill, they rarely play game situations during practice. So yeah, I don't, I hate that argument <laughs> so much. <laughs> Just a pet peeve. Yeah. Um, so, so I think that'll be something we watch going forward because um, there are very few young players on this team that seem like they could be around for the long term. And for, I've obviously been a very large proponent of Ian Mitchell for years. Cause he seemed like the exact type of hockey player. I enjoy watching. Um, I've been waiting to see when he was going to get his full on NHL audition. We kind of got it two seasons ago. Uh, then he went, got uh, back to the HL all of last season. So I was really hoping to see him, but also him and, and Philip Ruse and Phil Kurashev. And uh, well, that's about it. Right? Oh, I guess uh, Soderblom at times when he does Soder, play, yep. I think he's up here more just because of the injury to Staylock and formerly to uh, Mrazek, who's healthy now. Um, it's just it's that's that's the of the precious few things we have to keep an eye on the season for a long term picture. Uh, that's what Ian Mitchell is one of the big ones. So uh, I, I hope we get more ice time out of Ian Mitchell in the in the upcoming days and weeks so we can uh, maybe have something. I, it gets to the point where you need you need something to hang your hat on by the end of the season to make you feel good about uh, the Blackhawks' long-term plans. Uh, Kevin Korchinski in the WHL is one of them. Uh, apparently Samuel Savoie is, is tearing up the queue right now, which is pretty nice to see. Um, I just need some more. Um, I need more things like that to happen, and uh, then, we, then we can start to feel better about this long-term project as the Blackhawks sink down the standings in the present. Uh, but what we're going to do right now is going to take a quick timeout Got a couple more Hawks things to touch on. And then there's a a pretty big holiday coming up later this week. And as the best food themed hockey podcast on the internet or so we tell ourselves, uh, we got to talk about that for sure. So come on back on the other side of this break for all of that. Welcome back to Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. As promised before the break, got a couple more Blackhawks topics to dive into before we get into our uh, food discussion for the episode. Uh, the big thing we wanted to touch on here, uh, if uh, for those of you who subscribe to The Athletic, there's a they're doing a pretty hefty ranking of, uh, they're calling it NHL 99. It's the top 99 NHL players in modern NHL history. Uh, there's been quite a few Blackhawks on this list. Uh, well, I guess it's called NHL 99, but they're doing a hundred players. Uh, it's, I guess the, the reason they're calling it NHL 99 is because number one is obviously Wayne Gretzky. So the other 99 are the interesting ones. Anyway, the point being, uh, they, they rank the top hundred players. There's plenty of Blackhawks, uh, representation on this list. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury is at number 100. So there's a former Blackhawk for you. Uh, as you continue to move up the list, Marion Hosa, or excuse me, Dennis Savard was 85th. Marion Hosa was 83. Ed Belfour was 81. Duncan Keith was 78. Uh, and just came out, I think this was on Monday or maybe Tuesday. Jonathan Tays was number 65. And, uh, He's just ahead of Doug Gilmore at 66, another former Blackhawk, uh, Mike Gardner at 67, Gilbert Perot at 68, and uh, Adam Notes had a nice uh, ranking at 69. So 
Uh, Shay, I, I know this this raised your eyebrow a little bit. So uh, what what uh, what was it about this ranking that caught your eye? So one of the things about the NHL or what was it? The, yeah, the NHL 100 back when it, it, during the 75th anniversary where people yeah, they, were upset that Malcolm Malcolm didn't make the list or Thornton didn't make the list and Taves did. And Taves was like number 100, right? I don't think like, they ranked them. Okay. He was just, he was in the club. They just didn't. He was in the club. Okay. Uh, was that, I somewhat agree with that, especially because like the last few years have not helped his career case. Um, his, his only awards have been besides the cons might have been, uh, selkies. He's not gotten heart votes that many times. Um, and then he, in in the write up, Lazarus calls him the most indispensable Blackhawk to the to the cup runs. When in fact that was Duncan Keith. Because if you don't have Duncan Keith eating thirty minutes a game in each in each of those cup runs, you're not winning those. Um, and so, like, what is Taze's actual legacy to get him to sixty five? Because I'd argue that there there are maybe sixty five current players who are better. I mean. Well, you're not I, I talking just, about okay. You have to quick, remember we're talking before, about like up up to prime, right? Yeah. Anyway, just sorry. real quick for the sake of logistics, it's uh the post nineteen sixty seven is how they're defining this, like as the modern era. So sorry, Betsy, go ahead. No, I was just saying that that obviously there's it's like the problem with lists like this is that you're touching people, the players at different points because mm-hmm. Austin Matthews is sixty four. What has Austin Matthews done? Uh, one sixty-four. Sure, one reward, but he's so young. I think he's going to be one of like one of the best. He probably is going to pass Kane um, in points. And also, I don't know, like, know about that, especially I, I, especially I, I, playoff, especially playoff. How many playoff well, yeah. series has he won? Yeah, I'm talking exactly. about like reg- regular season stuff. But that's what okay. I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say that you're looking at these guys at different points in times. Why is like Nathan McKinnon was ranked lower than Austin Matthews. Like that's a, that's a weird thing to me when I feel like they're similarly based players and Nathan McKinnon might slightly be better at a like like he was on deeper teams so he didn't have to carry as much but if you look at Taves at his peak and you weigh which is what it seems like they're doing. They're kind of going, what is their best? And then kind of weigh it the rest of the way because mm-hmm. they can't do it any other way because everybody played at different lengths and that's just, it's impossible to do. Taves at his peak was a captain of a three-time Stanley Cup champion team. He was one of the best two-way forwards in the league. Everybody thought he was one of the best leaders. I mean, there was talk of him being Captain of Canada, you know, he won, he's in the gold club, all that kind of stuff. He's so, got a Selkie and a Con Smythe. So yeah, he does and, have individual trophies. And it's not like, like, there's arguments that he could have been Con Smythe almost any of those cups, the same mm-hmm. way Kane could have, Crawford could have been a Con Smythe at least once, Duncan Keith could have been. Because you sit there and say the, the Hawks couldn't have done it without Duncan Keith. They couldn't have done it without Taves either. I mean, that's just a fact, a point. They couldn't have done it without Hosa. Like, those types of teams, they have to have those exact players on there. I don't know if he's the most indispensable. Uh, maybe in 2010. Um, but I, I, to- I get where they're coming from putting him there if you do it based on, I'm going to weigh them based on their peak 
and their prime and then kind of let it go from there. Um, otherwise, you have players that had their careers cut really short because of illness or injury. You know, Mario Lemieux might be – we might be talking about him as Gretzky now if he hadn't had his career cut a little bit short. So, yeah, I just – I totally get where they're coming from. I don't necessarily agree with all the rankings. Um, like I said, I don't – I love Austin Matthews. I just don't know if he's that f- – far enough ahead I felt the same way about NHL 100 it's really weird to put the Blackhawks like I'm glad they didn't rank those because it's really hard to put the Blackhawks at that time when they were all still pretty ish young except for Keith um in that in that like (laughs) stratosphere with all those other players that were on that list and not include somebody like Malkin who arguably did similar things so I, I I don't I don't dislike the the ranking you just it's a it's a weird I these these rankings are always like they need to explain their methodology better than they do because otherwise yeah. you get into these semantic arguments yeah. and, about but why and with, with Taves like I think some of the things that he was really good at aren't the easiest things to quantify like for the biggest like the thing that I remember the most about peak Jonathan Taves is that whenever there was a battle when he was in the offensive zone and there was a battle for the puck behind the net, he would win the battle. He'd bring the puck out front. Chaos would ensue and either he would score or one of his teammates would bury the rebound that seemed, or he would make the pass to score the goal. Like Jonathan Taves behind the opposing net was a nightmare for defenders uh, at the peak of Taves's career. And I mean, he also, he played, you know, he played power play penalty kill in five on five. He was the center of probably the best line in the NHL in the 2013 and 2015, or yes, in the two cup seasons. And in like the 13 to 14 season, maybe uh Kopitar's line was a little bit better, but Taves line was up there as well. So like peak Taves was one of the best hockey players in the world for a while. It may not have been that long, maybe like two or three seasons at the most, probably because his body wore down from all of the heavy lifting he had to do. But um, the the other thing is like very early in Taves' career, there were some highlight reel plays that he was a part of that I think have been kind of forgotten because of recency bias. But Taves did some really cool shit early in his career. There were a handful of times where he got the puck in the neutral zone and it just looked like he had this look in his eye of, this puck is going into that net and I'll give a shit how it's getting there, but it's getting there and it would happen. This um, most famously happened in game six in 2010 against the Canucks or excuse me, game seven. Uh, it forced overtime and then the Hawks lost in overtime. Thank you, Chris Campoli. But uh, Taves had the ability to do really cool individual things as well as all the like quote unquote team things that made him the number one center that 25 NHL franchises wish they had right now because there are that few legit actual number one centers in the NHL at any given time. It's a very difficult thing to find. Um, and it's when you get one, you got to hang on to it as long as you can, because uh, th- there aren't many. So, yeah. And it has to be, they have to be ranked. Like I said, I think they need to explain their methodology a little bit better when they do these rankings, because they obviously are leaning into prime because like, I haven't read the article myself. Um, I haven't, read very many of them. I actually, I think I stopped after Hosa and he's in like the eighties. Um, but I did see the tweet where they were like at his prime, they're like, he was second. Taves was second to Crosby, which makes sense. Cause if you 
remember back during that time, that was the discussion. Now we all go. It was always, it was, yeah, it was Taves or Crosby forever. And they never played each other because one was hurt because like Crosby was out for two years and then Taves was hurt for like a handful of games. Like they never seemed to play against each other. It was weird. Yeah. And there was a there was a legitimate argument at one point, which was like, who's the better captain? Oh, yeah. Um, for the 2010 Olympics. Right. Like they were deciding if it was going to be Taves or Crosby. I think uh, it was 10, and, not 14. I could be wrong. I thought it was. 10. Yeah, because I, I believe it was 14. And Crosby yeah, it was 14 called because, Taves. Yeah. OK. Because, and T- Taves was like, I don't it should be Crosby. There was like a whole there's a whole thing about it. It was because it was after the, it was after two cups because Crosby mm. only had one at that point. And the. Blackhawks had gone on the big, you know, historical run in 2013 and all that kind of yeah. stuff. But and, I just and, I I totally get why he's high high, even though obviously his his it's derailed a little bit with the the way the Blackhawks have derailed. I do feel like if the Blackhawks hadn't gone off, like if Bowman hadn't like crashed and burned them, that Taves would have been a little bit closer to like, no, I don't think he'd be at where Bergeron is. Cause I think Bergeron's just doing. Like, Bergeron's a unicorn. Yeah. But I think he would be higher. I think he'd be somewhere between Kopitar and Bergeron. Um, mm. Like a little like, and you know, Kopitar goes up and down. Um, yeah. And I, I, I think Kopitar is a, is a better I, player. Yeah, I, I assume Kopitar hasn't been named on that list yet. He has. I thought. I thought he was already he, done. He is. He is not. Uh, Kucherov was seventy second, which oh, I I, I, I just look, sat down and looked at the screen. That's uh, an, like it's so weird to me. Austin Matthew, Nathan McKinnon, Kucherov—they're all like I like. If I had to pick one of those players, I was going to pick Kucherov or Nathan McKinnon, and Austin mm-hmm. Matthew would be third right now. That doesn't mean that I don't think Austin Matthews is great or that he's not going to be amazing. Later, it's just those other two guys have proven. Yeah, like I think a I think a significant part of this is based on whatever model Dom Lucius. I can never say his yes. last name. It's based on the model he came up with. Henrik Zetterberg is ninety seventh, and I would not. <laughs> I like that. That feels low to me. Because, and maybe this is just like um, uh, the trauma of being a Blackhawks fan in the early mid two thousands when Detroit kicked their teeth in every time. And Zetterberg was so good. Uh, yeah. But that, that was surprising to me to see him it, down there. It'll be interesting to see where Kane lands because he obviously – he doesn't usually do – he does better on Dom's models than he does in some. But obviously Kane does not do well on certain th- like models. And every modeler goes, we know he's better <laughs> than this model. Yeah. Maybe not defensively, obviously. We're like – defensively, he might be worse. But offensively, we know he's way better. Um but yeah, I it's it, Keith being way lower is kind of interesting. Hosa being where he is is weird, but mm-hmm. yeah, I I think it's it seems like it's more uh, based on the the whatever model they came up with. So um, yeah, and I I assume he's like I said, weighing on prime. There, <laughs> yeah. It can't be any other yeah. way. All but, right, well. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, th- those are all over at the athletic. If you want to read those there, I'm sure there's, well, if, if yeah, Kane's probably the only Blackhawks player left. Yep. Uh, unless I guess Jeremy Roenick gets on there. No. Well, I mean, that's the only, I, look, I as, as down no, as I, I am, on I take Tate, it back. I, as loud as I am on Taze, Roenick is not a better player than Jonathan Taze. Uh, 
Well, I think that Ronick might have the longevity on his side because Taves is, I mean, obviously Taves is not, did not have the opportunity for his entire career yet. He's only 34 years old. Taves has played a thousand games. Ronick played 1300 game, 1360. Well, okay. I'm not saying there's a reason. There's a reason Jeremy Roenick's not in the Hall of Fame and probably will never be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, I would heavily disagree that he won't be in there, but I think he'll get I think he'll get there. It just might be well. Uh but the other the other name that we probably should mention here is Chris Chelios. Uh I think Chelios might sneak in above because he has the individual hardware. Although I guess Duncan Keith was pretty low on that list too. So it's a uh I don't yeah, know. I guess that, that this, those this are where those that are, model part comes up because Keith Keith also doesn't model well for some yeah. reason. Like, well, I, I, and I wonder how much points for a defenseman factors in. Like, I don't think Chelios was lining up the league with like triple digit point. Like yeah. he wasn't getting a hundred points, but he still had pretty hefty offensive numbers just because, you know, he was the, uh, he was the defenseman on some really, really good teams in Chicago and in Montreal. So, but he, like his highest point total in the season was 73 for the 92, 93 Hawks. So I guess that that'd be an interesting name to see if Chelios makes it onto that list. Cause speaking of career longevity, he played 1651 regular season games and then he played another 266 in the playoffs. Holy shit. That's a lot of hockey. Um, and then he was in a weird last supper photo for Marion Hosa's retirement. So I don't know. Did you, did the two of you see this photo? Yes. I posted it in my game recap because it was, after that terrible whatever <laughs> game. And I was like, I don't want to talk about this. Just look at Marion Hosa in this weird picture, please. It's <laughs> just, it was a very straight, it, it was just weird. Like the, the it last took me time, a really long time to figure out who was who. Yeah. Uh, uh, like I thought, I, I thought the woman in the photo was like his wife. And it's just some random, some model that uh, I forget her name, but she, she's just a model that they put in there. It's like, all right. Uh, if it's the Last Supper, that's not a woman. That's actually the Apostle John. So I don't know why you threw the woman in there, but okay. Um, Adam Burrish and Ben Eager seem oddly placed, like the two fourth liners from 2010. All right, sure. Uh, I The one thing – so I, I made this joke in the article, and I, I was going to put this on Twitter, but it, it's, it's up for interpretation. So if like you go to the actual Last Supper photo and you start from the left and you scroll to the right, the first guy that is sitting in a chair – is Judas. The person in that chair in the Blackhawks version of that photo is Chris Chelios. If they put Chris Chelios in the Judas chair, I, I need to know if that was on purpose. If that was like a nudge, nudge, wink, wink to him ending his career in Detroit or playing for Detroit. Uh, I, I, I have a lot of questions about that, but also, <laughs> I feel like it is because he is the best player to play in but, Judas, but also why is he in a photo with Hosa? They never overlap. Yeah, it, it was very strange to have him in there. Like, I, the photographer had a big, long description on Instagram. It was something about, like, honoring past, present, and future. That's why Seth Jones and Max Domi are in there. But to, yeah. to round out the Chelios thing really quick is the – in the Da Vinci thing, um, Andrew is in the photo, like, sitting down on the left, and he's got both of his hands up in front of his chest as Chelios is in that picture. So maybe Chelios is supposed to be Andrew and not Judas. I just thought that was funny as hell, and I, I would love – uh, I want someone to tell me if if Chelios was supposed to be Judas or not, because that's a really, really, really good joke if that was the case. And I, although I don't know if Chelios would be down for those jokes because he didn't seem to enjoy it when they booed him on his Heritage Night uh, all those years ago. So I don't know. That was my investigation for the day. I just uh, like that they're all wearing those little hats. 
it's, it looks very, <laughs> very uh, great train robbery of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, uh, it, it felt very Boston of them. Cause that like team yes. the dress up thing. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it did. Uh, it was just it, like that. I, like that was it, like, if that had came out as a meme in like 2012 online, like that would have been perfect. Like he just would have been part of the whole experience of everything the Blackhawks were doing. Then it was just oddly placed now. Um, but you know, whatever it's art. Take take it for whatever, however you want to interpret it. Um, well, uh, speaking of art, uh, we, we want to dive into the culinary arts now because uh, it's uh, Thanksgiving in about a day and a half here. And uh, I'm excited to eat a wildly unhealthy amount of food and then wake up the next day and watch USA beat the shit out of England in the World Cup, or so I hope. Um, I know there's the Blackhawks game on Friday. I'm just telling everyone right now, I ain't going to watch a second of it because I only get the World Cup every four years. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, US, the U.S. is not the, the U.S. couldn't beat Wales. U.S. is an all-time hard. Shay, just let me live in this fantasy world where U.S. beats England in the World Cup. I, I, know, I know it may not be reality. Uh, I just want to live there for a little bit because it's a nice place to live. Um, and then if the Hawks <laughs> uh, – if USA loses three mil to England. Uh, you'll find me at the bottom of the Chicago river probably because, uh, that if they, I think if they lose to England, like they're, it's a pretty big dagger for their hopes of advancing to the next stage. But anyway, Thanksgiving, uh, Shay, we, we, as, uh, we were discussing earlier, I went back through the episodes last year. So I know what topics we covered last year. So we're gonna try and stray away from those, but I know you had some Thanksgiving thoughts. So I want to get those Thanksgiving thoughts out to the people and we'll see where it goes from there. So please go ahead. All right. Here's we're going to debate whether like what sides on a Thanksgiving table just don't straight up don't belong on the Thanksgiving table. Not what okay. are the best, not no, what are the worst, what straight up don't belong alongside the turkey. I'll start with green bean casserole. Why, why are you making oven roasted green beans? Okay. Topped let's, with let's, crispy let's, onions let's, and mushrooms. Let, let's get some quick organization here. I, what I want you to do, Shay, I want you to name the item, and I want you to say on my table or off my table. Uh, Betsy will go next, and then you're both welcome to add a quick sentence or two on why, and then okay. I'll go third, and we'll we'll run through this list. So you started with green bean casserole. Uh, Betsy, what were your thoughts on this? I mean – I can live without it. I I would want green beans in general over casserole, but if casserole is there, it's not a big deal. Um, I, I'd do, rather have do, sprouts. We do green beans with potatoes together. So that's um, like a I'm, kind of a Southern thing. I I'm think. absolutely putting this on my table. Uh, there's a green bean casserole that is always on the uh, Thanksgiving spreads that I have eaten in my family. I have no idea what's in it outside of the green beans. Uh, it's it's like the one with the like uh, fried onion strings or yep. whatever on top. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what else is in there, but I enjoy the hell out of it. It's always on my plate. Get it on my plate. It's cream of mushroom soup. FYI. Okay, there we go. Maybe maybe I'll try and make it one year. Sounds good to me. <laughs> Next one. Uh, Wait, this is this. Yeah, this goes to Betsy. Yeah, cranberry sauce. Oh, come on. A classic. No, it's a classic. You just, put it in with the can, and you put you put it on your plate. It's good. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I just don't like. I don't. I, I could. I would say no, just because I. I don't need it. Like it's. It's. It's not anything I feel that strongly about. A uh, cranberry just has a weird flavor to me, and I just don't know. Um, it's. It's a bitter. I think it's a fruit. 
Yeah, it's a bit of fruit, but it is. I love cranberries. I don't like cranberry sauce. It's the I think it's the texture, but I don't think the like the flavor is very cran like it's not good enough. But maybe I've had really bad cranberry. I've had both canned and non, and I've never liked it. Also, I don't think it goes with anything. What do you eat it with? Like, do you just eat it with the turkey? Is it ketchup? I don't like that. It's not ketchup. It's not <laughs> is ketchup. It, is no. it ketchup? Is it ketchup? <laughs> no, it, I think uh, cranberry has always been served at like I've always had it as cranberry relish. No, which no. I don't think it means it's like relish it's covered in cranberry. Can. It's more, it's yeah, I know, can. but I'm just trying to explain to you the version of cranberry I've had. It's just it's like the texture of it is like relish, and I think I think it's partially a texture thing. Like I don't really like the way, yeah. Just it weirds me out. So, so Shay, bef- let me understand this fully. Did you have a list of things, or you want to run this around the table, and we'll each name our own? I, I think we could just run around the table. Okay. Yeah. So, so that means it's on me to come up with a dish, and we're going to decide whether or not it's it's staying on the table or it's getting kicked off. Yeah. Um, I I was trying to think like there's some of the, like the obvious ones like tur- I, oh, turkey's the main course side dish. Um, how about let's just go with like just a straight potato casserole. Well, what do you mean by potato casserole? Like, you mean potatoes au gratin? Au gratin? No. Au gratin? <laughs> yes. No, sir, no. Gratin? no it's, it's not anywhere near that fancy enough because it comes from the Midwest. It's usually a concoction with uh, – it's just like potatoes and there's like a cheese element to it. And there's a uh, – it's usually layered very thin across the top with uh, Ruffles ridged potato chips. Ew. That's At least that's how it's done in my family. <laughs> sounds, Sorry. sounds like I'm not <laughs> selling – but it's like it almost has the texture of hash browns the way it's made. I mean, Gosh, browns. I do like. I'm not. You're. I'm getting mixed signals from this description. Yeah, maybe yeah. Inter- interesting. I for sure. It's never been on my table. Uh, yeah, there. I'm not just not familiar enough. We. I've had many potato types on Thanksgiving because we do them slightly different often. But I've yeah. never had that, so I can't. I can't. It wouldn't be my go-to. It. it wouldn't be no. my go-to potato form. No. You know, we're going with mashed. Yeah. As number one. <laughs> okay, yeah, I mean, there's going to be potatoes in some fashion, but okay. I don't, I don't like the idea of putting potato chips on top of potatoes, though. That, but like that was that was how the concoction was made in my family. It was. Um, I mean, I understand that, it, it like when you're, try, you're trying to make a casserole and you want that crispy kind of top. I get uh-huh. that. I just, that sounds weird. It's just, it's just yo, yo, dog. I heard you <laughs> like potatoes, so we're going to put potatoes on top of your potatoes. <laughs> I don't I, again. I don't mind it. It's just not not potato, the potato form I'd go with. All right. Speaking well, of well. potatoes, candied yams uh, off the table. As a person who will defend pie until the death, there's already a, a dessert coming. Why do you need more sugar on your table? It's gross too. Oh, all right. Well, first of all, my responsibility the last three years at Thanksgiving has bring to make and bring candied yams. So to hell with both of you, because that's my contribution to the Thanksgiving feast. Uh, so this is absolutely staying on my table because I'm making it. With your, with your little marshmallows that you toast on my You're damn right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, you don't, you don't, you just put them on, uh, you put them at the very end for like the last five minutes in the oven. You put them on top. They all melt, gives you a nice golden brown layer. Perfect. I, I, I'm sorry. You guys are acting like we don't have – like what's wrong with having something sweet before your dessert? Well, are we having – are we health conscious? That's so much – yes, that's so much sugar. 
That's on the point. It's Thanksgiving. <laughs> no, the point is savory food on Thanksgiving. The oh. point is not sweet food. The point is food. Get the fuck out of here. The, the, it's not Christmas. Christmas is about sweet food. Thanksgiving is about savory. <laughs> sure. Whatever. Oh my uh, gosh. Um, okay, I've got I've got two, and it's any form of these two vegetables I don't think belong. Like I just don't I don't eat them for Thanksgiving and I don't care for them. Carrots and corn. I know corn was like a big deal, like when they were murdering Native Americans and stuff, but like <laughs> it's not needed for Thanksgiving. I think no, it's like, and it's also out of season, I think. Yeah, exactly. I think it's so and carrots no, the blandness of them. No. You just, can make good carrots. I'm sure you can, but they're just not necessary. You, they're not a vegetable. Those are two vegetables that do not need to be included on this table. No, there's already good vegetables. Uh, Brussels sprouts yeah, is, is our go-to. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like it's Brussels beef. sprouts, but that's just not, that also isn't a Thanksgiving thing to me. Yeah, I, I, I so think, I, I think yeah. carrots are just kind of, meh. Like, carrots are like the, um, Whenever you you're late to the party, you need to grab something, so you run to the store and grab a veggie tray with carrots on it. It's it's more of a like it's like convenience for the person who's bringing it because it's simple. Technically, so it's I think not, every all of the vegetables in that vegetable tray should not be at Thanksgiving. Cauliflower, broccoli, too. No, that's that's fair. That's yeah. Fair. There's if you're there's vegetables broccoli. in the green bean casserole. What do you need other vegetables for? <laughs> Stop it. There's vegetables and all in all our stuff in. Okay. Um, well, I, I've got a very. This is something I think I talked about last year. So the the item that I'm it, that needs to be on the table and needs to not be neglected because this is an important part of the meal is the bread rolls need to be there. They need to be very well. Like they're important for the Thanksgiving feast itself, but I'd say they're also as uh, equally important in the days after as vessels for your leftover meals. Yes. If, you, if you're going to make a Thanksgiving sandwich, you need a, you need a, like a dinner roll. Yeah. So yeah. I don't, I don't need <laughs> rolls. Um, stuffing is my favorite part of Thanksgiving and it's already got bread in it. So yeah, but wow. like, wow. this is, this is where my Thanksgiving wow. is for savory food. Take comes in. Wow. Carbs on top of carbs on top of carbs. is like what Thanksgiving is about. I'm just, I, every time we do, uh, we, we've been doing new honey baked ham for the last, uh, few times and their stuffing is as close to a traditional, like, like very Southern type of stuffing that my mom makes. And we get like four of them, Ooh. <laughs> even just because we're going to eat like two the day of, and then the rest of the time. We're just, we're going to, it's going to be me and my nephew just eating the rest of it. But like, I don't, I don't ever get a roll in my meal because I get that much stuffing. Love it. And again, I'm fine with carbs on carbs, but I'm going to get my carbs from like the potatoes instead. Uh, or the pie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. I, I think we got one more round in us, Shay, because I, I'm, we're quickly running out of like food items left for me. Like I, I don't, I don't think we have the most, um. Exploratory Thanksgiving menu in my family. It's usually a pretty. We stick to the we stick to the traditions because if there's no tradition, there's no integrity. So uh, one more round and then we'll uh, we'll wrap this up. So Shay, go right ahead. All right, I'm gonna defend my. If I'm gonna defend my 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 menu offering, then 
Pumpkin pie is a thing that needs to go on a Thanksgiving table. I don't care that there's other pie forms. I don't care that there's uh, other dessert forms. It's about pumpkin pie. Thanksgiving requires a pumpkin pie on the table after the meal. Yeah, I no no disagreements here. I'm, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna it's eat. not my pie of choice for Thanksgiving. What? I prefer what? pumpkin bread over pumpkin pie. Pumpkin bread is a year-end item that is not really a dessert. It's a breakfast food. That's true. It's wait, not a dessert. Wait, I don't pumpkin bread is a breakfast food? Yeah. Yes. Butter if, it's ser- if, it, if, it's served, if, if it's served at Starbucks, it's a breakfast item. Oh, okay. All right. I guess I don't go to Starbucks enough. Um, um, I, I didn't know that pumpkin-flavored things exist outside of fall. Like like pumpkin bread, like I could see that being like a a niche menu item that was started about two months ago and it's got one month left on the menu and then we will see it again next. Okay, you don't go to the grocery store enough because there's the the pumpkin, the pumpkin, the pumpkin. There's always an aisle with pumpkin year round. Yeah, you can always buy pumpkin. You could buy you could buy plenty of Christmas things that you can buy sugar cookies at any time of the year, too. Just because it's at the grocery store doesn't mean it's in season. I don't know. Kind of does. I don't know if I don't know if that <laughs> sentence makes sense at all. Kind of does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Okay, so I, I don't even the know what I'm num- anymore. The number one thing that um, I think all Thanksgiving should have are deviled eggs. Ooh. Okay. I love deviled eggs, and I can see them as like an appetizer at like three p.m. for like four four thirty five meal. You could eat them ahead of time, but we always just put them like on the thing. Oh my gosh, dog! <laughs> we we have, we have a new guest. We have a guest replacing Mill on the podcast this week. It's it's an unexpected form of protein. I'm not. Uh, I've got to say, uh, like deviled eggs are are fine. Like they're okay. I don't have, uh, but I'm I'm kicking them off my table to make room for the good, the better stuff. So so no, get them off my table. I don't want them. Yeah. Yep. I, I associate them more with Christmas for some reason. So yeah, I give them off. Yeah, like I, I think I do too. I'm pretty sure I we have them with every meal that's like a big meal. So. <laughs> All right. Well, I think I'm last for my last item. And I think like we're running out of things because we've listed so many things already. All right. I, I got I, – I've seen – this is a uh, – I'm, I'm going to present this because this is something that I don't – I don't think is ever usually part of the menu – and, and my family Thanksgiving, but I know it exists. Sometimes people have ham along with the turkey as a backup. Okay. Like it's it's not the main course. It's more of a side dish. It is there. It is good. I appreciate it, but it is a Christmas meat. Get it off my plate. I don't want it. I'll have it in a month. Give me turkey. It's Thanksgiving. Thousand percent agree. And I, <laughs> I've seen people replace Thanksgiving turkey, which is called Thanksgiving turkey for a reason, with either ham or meatloaf. And those people are incorrect. Oh, turkey meat, is tur- get the fuck out meatloaf. Tur- oh. Turkey is the turkey is the best meat. I don't understand if people are complaining about turkey. They're not. They're either not making their turkey correctly, or they're not seasoning it enough. Look, I I enjoy a good meatloaf as much as anybody because again that that feels like a very Midwest dish. But uh, no, not Thanksgiving. Absolutely not. No way in hell. It's not even a turkey, not even tur- not even a turkey meatball. No. <laughs> no. The turkey, the turkey turkey. The proper like bird. You need to carve the bird. Yeah. <laughs> we do ham and turkey. Here. All right. Well, so 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 the ham's on your is on your table. Okay. Yeah, ham is definitely it's it is there for Christmas too. We don't do turkey for Christmas. We usually do Cornish hens or a roast. Um 
sometimes other things, but mostly those two. And a ham is always there as well. We also do ham for like Easter. So like ham. Is oh, just- yeah. Ham is absolutely, and I I think we we were talking about, I was listening back to our episodes last year, and we were talking about holidays with ham, and I don't think that came up, but Easter is absolutely a ham holiday. Yeah. Thanksgiving is too for a lot of people. Um, Maybe, is it like a Southern thing? Every time this comes up, I'm always like, is it just because I'm from the South? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. there's, There's a lot of things that have come up that are like, oh, that's... That's either that's just a southern thing or that's a Midwest thing. I think that is one of the cooler things that um, uh, going back to uh, the the joke I made about Twitter not being around anymore. Around the holiday season, I think I've learned so much about different food traditions and cultures in different parts of the country that I did not know about. Um, obviously, the Midwest and South, but even like what the West Coast and Northeast, like all these different parts do different things for the holiday. Um, it's it was it's been a very interesting thing to learn all about all these different things. Um, and because, hey, food's great. So what's what's wrong with trying something different, uh, except that the holidays, because it's a tradition to do uh, to do turkey. Damn it. So eat some turkey. <laughs> I think I just like completely contradicted myself within one sentence. So. It's it's very possible. Yeah. Oh, well, we it, it's that that's what the season has done to me. Uh, yes, I think it's because Thanksgiving is the exception because Thanksgiving is the major food holiday. Yeah, and and I think this was something that we talked about last year because this is something I believe with every ounce of my being. Thanksgiving is becomes the best holiday of the year when you're an adult because it's a guaranteed four day weekend. Uh, or like because everyone takes a four day weekend. Christmas kind of floats on the calendar so it's not always a long weekend um the food's better at thanksgiving you've got a whole bunch of sports to watch football college football the nhl the nba and now the world cup on top of it this year uh there is just and, and thanksgiving is the start of my favorite stretch of the year uh christmas is kind of the end of everything so while it is gr- a great day it's kind of also sad because it's the end of it so um so yeah thanksgiving all day Put that on my plate. Thanksgiving over Christmas. A thousand percent. Sure. I I don't <laughs> tell it. I I am I am the Grinch before Thanksgiving because people need to give Thanksgiving at the proper time and spotlight. Absolutely, Betsy. You didn't sound as convinced as I thought you might. You just said sure. That sounded like a backhanded no. I like Christmas better because the desserts tend to be better. Okay. Well, um, and also we do a lot of the same stuff. I maybe. Thanksgiving isn't um, like so unique because <laughs> we do we'll we'll we won't do turkey, but we still always do a stuffing, even though it's not in a turkey. So um, and we do like a we do usually do Cornish hens, probably. Like I don't know if you guys know what a Louise's sauce, um, but a dark roux based gravy sauce and rice or a roast, which is always good. Um, and those are both better than turkey to me. But I know Shay's going to jump in here and be like, turkey's the best. I don't, I like turkey fine. It's just not my favorite. Yeah, I, I would probably be in that category as well. Turkey's really good, but I'm not going to, I don't know if I'm going to put a, put a crown on it and make it the name of the best, but yeah, maybe so, we'll have that argument later. <laughs> Save that for another episode. All right. Any other final thoughts before we wrap this whole thing up? Nope. Guess not. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, 
thanks to the two of you for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening to this episode. Uh, hopefully we'll get Mill back in the rotation next week. Uh, a very, very happy Thanksgiving to everyone. I uh, hope you have some time with some good food, some good friends, family, however it is you celebrate. We hope it's a great weekend for you. Uh, we got some Blackhawks hockey to watch the day after. Well, I, I already said I'm not going to watch, but I'll watch Sunday's game uh, and the game Wednesday night against the Stars. Uh, so we'll we'll watch that. Uh, we'll write about it at secondcityhockey.com, and that's where you can find all of our previews, recaps, prospect updates, uh, and ch- uh, checks on the bottom of the NHL standings because that's where the Blackhawks are probably going to be for the rest of the year. Uh, so stay tuned to that website for all of that. Uh, the main account is at 2ND City Hockey to follow on Twitter. I'm at DMelt57. Shay is at Jehosa's Witness. Betsy's not on Twitter, but she's at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR, where you can find her and everything else I was just talking about. Uh, And we'll be back next week with a fresh new episode. Once again, happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you then.